everybody. Welcome to, to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Um, Dr. Daniels, I was a little rusty there on, on the beginning. It's been, it's been a minute since we've had one. Yeah. But I, I tell you what, it's, um, I got some good news. The good news is we're now, the podcast is now on Spreaker. Mm-hmm. which is a platform that's able to get the podcast out to other plat- other platforms. It's like a middleman, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And we're now in deep now in Ireland and uh, France and all Europe wow. now. So we're now picked up there. We're now on Spotify. We was And we're still continuing to be on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And we're still on SoundCloud. So if you're following us on SoundCloud, Nothing is changing. I've mirrored the the the, the feed mm-hmm. on SoundCloud, so you have to change anything. But I do encourage everybody if you have an iPhone, go up there to um, to the podcast app, leave a review. That gets us seen more, and we're able to do. Uh, Apple's doing way more stuff now with right. the, what their podcast. You know, everybody was talking complaining about it, so mm-hmm. Apple fixed it. Right. But in Spotify, when I uploaded it. We had over um, 150 downloads the first the first hour. Wow, that's great. That's yes. wonderful. So people are hungry for it, and, and they really want the information. So um, with all that being said, what are we talking about today, Dr. Daniels? Well, first of all, let me say it's good to be back. You know, we took a little break, and I know people have been asking me, you know, when we're going to come back from the summer break. So it's great to be back. And uh, as you echoed, you know, I want to echo what you said, you know, that um, – um, Pass the word around and, you know, do what you can to continue to let people know that we are here on this podcast. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about today, a subject that, you know, is, is clear in, in our national um, uh, in our national agenda, that there seems to be an uptick in, I guess I would say, covert and overt racism. You know, uh, that the um, the the idea of a, a super class or an upper class is, is permeating our society now, you know, either because of the climate of our, 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 um, our political scene or for whatever reason, you know, whatever you want to attribute it to, right. you know, that's happening. Uh, the interesting thing about that is when you think about, you know, segregationist and, and racism, um, Martin Luther King said, you know, uh, over 50 years ago, he said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, is the most racist or the most segregated hour of the week. The irony of it is it was true then and it's still true now. Right. You know, even though there are some churches that are, you know, integrated, uh, multicultural, by and large, most churches are either, you know, Hispanic or uh, black or white, you know, or Asian. Right. You, you know, right. And, and right. the question that we have to ask ourselves is why is that? You know, why is it that, you know, in, in 2019, uh, where all of us say we're Christians worshiping the same God, that we still feel the need to segregate ourselves on Sunday to worship a God who we say created all? You know, the, the, the funny thing about it, um, this past Sunday, I got up early. And I went to go jogging uh, on the track by Jolliffe. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you go into Jolliffe High School, you, uh, Jolliffe School, mm-hmm. you pass by this uh, community church, right. big church that's there. And, you know, I saw like a couple of black families out there. So I came in and asked my wife, I said, if um, your uncle wasn't the pastor, would you continue to go to Enoch or would you go to 
church around here, mm -hmm. but all the churches within our vicinity are all white. She mm -hmm. said, she was like, no, because they're, you know, they're white. And right. I asked the question, I mm -hmm. said, but why? Mm -hmm. She said, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that to me the other day, like, well, you had to do this, this topic. And I was like, that is interesting that why don't we as, as black Americans, African-Americans, feel comfortable sitting in a white church as, as, as a whole. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I can tell you the response I get, and I can tell you some of the response I have received down through the years. Yeah. And I'll give you a, a, a good example. One of them, I, I think one is because we don't always feel like we will be welcomed or we feel like the welcome will be superficial, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Uh, and, and so that's the one thing. And I can tell you, you know, you know, you mentioned the church in Jolliffe, and it just so happens that there is another church in that same neighborhood where the pastor used to be in a conference that I was in. Okay. And um, when we was having a conference meeting, and we were talking about the idea of, you know, exchanging cultures and, you know, why can't we worship more as a unit? And so one of the uh, pastors who happened to be a priest, he was the Catholic priest, and he, he made a suggestion. He said, well, why don't we exchange one Sunday churches per se? Why don't, why don't we as, as the leaders in the church go and serve at the, another church, you know, that is not either the, our denomination right. or that is not our present culture? His only comment was that because how the Catholic diocese is set up, mm -hmm. he said, I will have to be at my, at, at, you know, my church when you come. But, mm -hmm. you know, you will still be the one delivering the message and, and so on and so on. Well, the pastor at the church in Jolliffe, which was an all-white church, he said, point blank, he said, I wouldn't have a problem going to any of you all churches. And he looked at the, the uh, uh, priest who happened to be white. He said, you can come to my church. And he looked at a, a couple of other guys and said, but they can't come. He said, it's not because I don't love them. Right. He said, my congregation would get rid of me and would not allow them to speak. And this is a church that's in Jolliffe. Wow. It just so happens I knew. Right, that, right, right. You know, I'm, I'm three or four blocks from where his church is at. Right. And, and, and that is kind of amazing, you know, that we still have that. You know, I don't know if a part of it is stereotypes. I don't know if a part of it is still that sense of superiority. Or I, I, you know, I don't get what it is. I think that by and large, and I could be wrong because I've only been black. <laughs> I've never <laughs> right. been white. Right. I think that by and large, black communities are more receptive to receiving other people. You know, we'll, we tend to be a little more forgiving. Mm -hmm. We tend to want to assimilate, you know, uh, but I don't get the impression that white uh, uh, America wants to assimilate. You know, by and large, they, want, you know, they don't like that idea. Uh, and, and even 2019, you know, I still face that same thing with my brothers mm -hmm. who are pastors of white churches. And I'll give you another quick example now, you know, let you jump on in, is that I, we currently belong to a conference, which is called the Bridge Network of Churches. This network of churches was previously, uh, most of them were Southern Baptists, which Southern Baptists is primarily, you know, a, a, a white a group. At any rate, we were in a, a class where we were talking about revitalization of churches and that kind of thing. And the president of the conference, he made a statement that I found, you know, extremely um, uh, welcome but for myself and, and spoke volumes of him, you know, because mm -hmm. he's a white pastor. 
And he said that he was talking to his congregation. He said to them, if you really want to be more inclusive, then you need to understand something that the way we present ourselves excludes minorities. Mm-hmm. He said, look at the picture that we have of Jesus. It shows Jesus' blue eyes with long, curly, blonde hair. Right. And he said, we know, talking to a group of pastors, we know that Jesus was not blue-eyed and right. did not have long, curly, blonde hair. We know based on, based on the region of the country he came from, and we know based on the biblical description of him right. that you know he was a brown-skinned individual. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says he had his kind of bronze color, right? right? A hair like lamb's wool, which mm-hmm. you know isn't straight, you know, at all. No. So, um, uh, so he, he said that, and he said he tell his congregation, we need to take that picture down, so people who are coming in who are of uh, other cultures uh, don't find it offensive. One of the pastors in the back, you know, one of the white guys, he said, you know, I bet they told you you were fired too the next day, didn't they? <laughs> you know, and he said it in a joking way, but when right. he said it, all the white pastors laughed. You know, it, it wasn't a laugh like, you know, I mean, even though it was joking, it was a laugh like, you know, a confirmation kind of deal. You know, right. sometimes you laugh because you know something happens to be, right. hey, I can't believe you said it to a white congregation. Because this church is in Blackwater, you know, which is, you know, it's not a, a uh, contemporary congregation. Right. He said, no, I explained to them that, you know, this is what the Bible says. Therefore, we ought to we ought to make sure the church is, you know, more receiving. So they did move the picture and they replaced it with a a a, uh, um, a picture that covered the entire wall. But it had, you know, a sheep, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a pasture, you know, uh, which was soothing to the eye, uh, more comforting, I guess, to everyone. And of course, you know, we are the sheep of his pasture. So right. it resembles something that the Bible verse says. The point is that those other pastors clearly are saying that they are uncomfortable even letting their congregation know what the Bible says. Right. You know, as it relates to who Jesus really was, what his real complexion was. So if you are afraid to tell your, your congregation a truth, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can understand why. You know, uh, if the if the leadership, you know, is afraid to be honest, how can we expect those that are following, you know, to be receptive as well? Yeah, and that's that's the one thing that's really disturbing, um, is that the leader, like if you if you've been chosen to be the pastor of the church, you've been chosen to lead the church. Mm-hmm. You should be able, allowed to lead, which is being honest with everybody. And, and I'm pretty sure that God would want you to be honest with everybody about what's in the Bible. He didn't put it in the Bible for you to kind of skirt around certain things. He put it in there for it to be in there sure. for you to follow it. Mm-hmm. So. Have you, Pastor Daniels, have you ever come to a situation to where. You yourself said, if I told the absolute truth on this. I may lose some people in the church or I will catch some backflip. Now, I already know you. <laughs> You're not short of an opinion. Okay? Never so, been short of an opinion. Of opinion. But have you ever been like, maybe I shouldn't say that or you kind of massaged it a I'll little bit? I'll say this. Uh, there was a time when my wife would tell me, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> 
you need to go back and retract that statement. You know, I can't believe you said that. I, I, I have never felt the need to sugarcoat. I haven't, you know, right. um, simply because I understand that most people, what they know of the Bible is not what they read, but what they heard. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody doesn't read, but I'm just for most people, it, it's what you hear from the pulpit that kind of mm-hmm. shapes you and guides you. Mm-hmm. And so I know that most people in the congregation are going off what they have heard. Similarly, I'm not saying that all my, you know, uh, white brothers don't want to, you know, have a church that is accepting. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, but there is a fear, you know, I think for some of them. But then for for some of them, it may also be that, you know, they still have that hint of, you know, Jesus was blonde, blue eyed. I don't know. I don't know. I like to think that's not the case. I think it's what you just said, which is maybe there's just some hesitation because they don't want to lose members. They don't want people to think negatively of them if they are honest, if, if, if they don't kind of uh, be more receptive. Um, you know, church is, 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 is not, uh, unfortunately, church is more than just about the Bible, you know, I, I mean, studying the Bible. Church is also about worship, right? It's about worship. And so um, if, if, if we're going to make our worship so that it's receptive to everybody, then that means we also have to look at how we worship. You, you know, right. I mean, you know, do we look at the way uh, blacks traditionally worship and say, we don't want that? Or do we look at the way whites worship and say, we don't want that? Or do we try to look, say, listen, worship should be universal. <clears throat> and I think it should be universal. Sometimes when people look at black churches, they equate it with, um, you know, shouting and speaking in tongues and, and falling out, this kind of thing. That's not a black church phenomenon. Mm-hmm. That's a Pentecostal church, you know, kind of uh, uh, way, way that they worship. White Pentecostals and black Pentecostals tend to worship the same way. Mm-hmm. Black Baptists and white Baptists tend to worship the same way. Black Methodists and white Methodists tend to worship the same way. Black Episcopals and white Episcopals tend to worship the same way. So it's really not about whether or not I'm black or white. It's more about what denomination I fall under. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't think that when you're talking to people, you know, because they act like if you're black, I don't care what church you go to, the church is going to last five hours. You know, it's, you know, it's going right. to be that long service <laughs> and, 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 you, yeah. and one song is going to take 30 minutes. And that's not true. You know, it, it, it really isn't. So I think it's that, and I think it's just that uncomfortability, because if I'm worshiping with you, I got to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. I got to hug you. You know, I got to I gotta put down some feelings that I may have had. And I think that's just, I personally think it's hard for some people to do. It's hard for some people to reconcile that concept and say, you know what? Um, we really want your, we really want you to come. Because if you're in a church, a traditional church, and, you know, do you really do they really want the crackhead to come in uh, who is still fighting the addiction, mm-hmm. who is still not dressed well, you know, this, you know, this kind of thing. Right. You know, and do you really want to hear what the other culture has to say? See, I, I would I, you know, I have not found a and again, this is me. I'm not talking about the whole world because I can right. only speak for myself. Right. I have not found a, 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 a white pastor other than 
the church that we are, we affiliate with, which is Good Samaritan, that is really willing to openly and honestly discuss the plight of segregation in this country and racism in this country, and to try to really understand how it affects other people, you know. Uh, and, and, and I think that's a big part of the problem, is that people don't want to hear it, you know. Yeah. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to openly admit or hear that, you know what, what you're doing is somewhat racist. You may have good intentions, mm -hmm. but it's still somewhat racist. And I'll give you another quick example. Uh, this past Saturday, I was at a football game, my wife and I, and um, I sat beside a gentleman who was Presbyterian. Now, we both acknowledge, you know, number one, I'm Baptist and you Presbyterian. And I'm sitting down, and, and it's, oh, it's college football, ODU against Norfolk State. And so I'm an alumnus of Old Dominion. So I have an ODU hat on. I have an ODU T-shirt on. And that's blue. Norfolk State colors are green and gold. Right. We sit down, and I have a, I have a, a water jug in my hand that, that was given to me when I entered the gate. The water jugger says U.S. Army on it. Right. So it's Army Green with the star on it. Mm -hmm. We sit down and we're talking. And a gentleman says to me, so um, you think Norfolk State might win? And I said, no, I think only you're going to get them. And he said, so uh, when, when were you at Norfolk State? And I <laughs> said, I'm older you alumnus. Right. He said, oh, I thought you went to Norfolk State. And I said, no, I got from older you. And he said, well, I was looking at your water bottle and it was green. Right. And I, I took my shirt and, and kind of did like this and said, and he said, oh, it does say Monarch on it. And I got an ODU hat on right. and an ODU shirt on. Mm -hmm. And I know it wasn't a water bottle that told him. That right. was him you know, catching himself. Right. See, he didn't see the blue. Right. All he saw was the black. The black. Right. And in seeing the black, he just assumed you graduated from Norfolk State. See, I, I think that the reality of life is that people say we are, be, you know, we are uh, beyond seeing color. That's not true. He right. still saw my color first. And just seeing my color, he overlooked all the big blue stuff I had on. Right. and said Old Dominion Monarchs. And which is, which is a shame that, it, that it's, it's like that. You know, I, I played at Oklahoma and then transferred to Southern. And I will say it is two completely different worlds. Mm -hmm. Same college football, but wow. two completely wow. different worlds when it when it comes to stuff like that. Now, let's get to. Let's get to like let's Let's see if we could somewhat see what the problem is. I believe, Dr. Daniels, that. With, with white people not wanting to worship with black people and really looking in the Bible, I think it's messing with their insecurities. Mm -hmm. they, it's like they don't want to confront their insecurities. Yes, I agree. Okay. And, and it's, let's just be real. Like we was talking over the weekend about athletic ability and things like that. Mm -hmm. White people tend to not be as athletic mm -hmm. as as a general statement. Right. Mm -hmm. That could be a problem. Mm -hmm. It's an insecurity. Now, I me, mean, like you said, we've been black all our lives. All my life. Right. So 
We don't walk around saying, oh, well, this is a basketball goal. Let me go dunk the basketball. Or let me go. Is this, you just, oh, this, you know, you don't think in that terms. If they are insecure about themselves, because when we come around mm-hmm. and God forbid, if we talk with some intelligence, mm-hmm. not a dang, or we show that we are very intelligent, mm-hmm. well-mannered, mm-hmm. well-spoken, it becomes a major problem because now we are messing with the stereotype that they have in their head of us mm-hmm. and what, and then also messing with the pedestal they put themselves on. Right. So with that being said, is it more or less them not wanting to belittle themselves or they don't want to raise us up? <laughs>